Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. That doesn't sound good. Paper shredder's jammed, but I think I fixed it. Oh, well, try shredding these $50 bills, then. Seems like it's working. Mm, better try another 400 bucks. Stop. Instead of using money, use regular paper. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Hello, Goldmine readers and now listeners. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine, and this is our third podcast for March 2018. Because this is a special podcast, uh, we're going to have Gary Brooker of Procol Harum, and Gary is going to discuss his new box set celebrating 50 years of Procol Harum, if you can believe it, 50 years. Uh, the box set is called Still, There'll Be More, and it's an eight-disc limited edition, and it's super deluxe. It's a huge box set of five CDs and three DVDs. Now, this is, uh, this is for the completest, the hardcore fan, the classic rocker that... Uh, wants everything that's that's good about the 60s and 70s um anyway so we'll talk to gary and he'll fill us in about the the box set and i'll also talk a little bit about procol harem past present and future okay we'll be back after this message Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine. The Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Hello? Mr. Brooker. Yes. How are you? It's Pat Prince from Goldmine. Hello, Goldmine. How are you? Good Good morning, or I guess it would be good afternoon in your case. Yeah, it is afternoon here. <laughs> yeah. So how are you? Yeah. Good? Yeah, fine, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, well, you got a big box set here. Still, there'll be more. That's quite an accomplishment. Um, let's start off talking about that. Um, limit, okay. limited edition, super deluxe, um, must've been a massive undertaking. <laughs> Were you in charge of all that? How, how did you go through all the material, pick everything out? Um, I, I was involved to a certain, to a certain extent in that I found lots of uh, recordings and I found lots of, uh, 
posters and photographs and memorabilia of different sorts to make up to help towards, you know, making a book in right. it as well. Um, I think that I, I did have some recordings that they might have been available in some way, but we made sure they were like, remastered and things. Um, not, not a pro cool studio tracks, uh, but of like the Hollywood Bowl with the LA Philharmonic and right. things like that. And, and the way Don't the tell them we're doing it though, <laughs> we can't we can't afford to pay seventy eight musicians. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like the way it's set up, um, the track listing, how how the songs were picked in order. It, ma- it makes for a more exciting uh, music narrative. And then just having one album follow another, um, I think you'll agree with that, right? The way it was picked. Yeah, well, I mean, they they picked them, and I said, well, that looks fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, different people involved in it, but sometimes it's good to to be objective about that, from my point of view, rather than me do it, because we we always had our our list that was picked out of a hat once on a train. Huh. Um, <laughs> I think uh, by pure chance at that particular time, this is in the 70s, mind you. Yeah. But at that time, it's uh, the first one that came out of the hat was a white shade of power. The last one that came out of the hat was Repent World Purges. Ah. And everything else, <laughs> everything else was in a perfect order in between, you know. Um, so we wrote on it, Carly has spoken. And it was more or less fate that deemed themed that particular order but you know this is uh this has got a lot a lot more material in it since then of course well it is appropriate a wider shade of pale is starts off the box set um i was gonna ask why no i mean it covers everything wider shade of pale to novum and i was going to ask <clears throat> why no poison ivy from the paramounts um Sometimes with bands that's well, I, I think I mean it is a procol harem. Yes. Yeah. Box set. <laughs> right, but sometimes you know bands do that. They'll uh, kind of like because it is the seeds of procol harem. Yeah. Well, it's all part of growing up. Yeah. It's part of the part of the overall history. But you know, as far as as far as this goes, this is a matter of fifty years, although. We seem to have missed the 50-year anniversary by a couple of months, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we'll have to continue it on for the next year, I think. Yeah, you know, I think the fans just want to, It's except for the hardcore fans, you know, fans in general just like to celebrate the particular time that it's 50 years, and... Yeah. Usually yeah. they can't well, believe 50 years have gone by. <laughs> well, that's that's true. Uh, sometimes you think, God, that went quickly. But then you try and remember something that happened in 1968, and it seems centuries ago. Right. Uh, <laughs> but what, getting back to Wider Shade of Peel, I, I thought it was perhaps a perfect uh, pick to open the <clears throat> box because it, the band, I mean, was truly a launch as far as a band is concerned in dramatic fashion is a hit single right off the bat and well that was all pure, that was just you know in the lap of the gods yeah you know, there was no such thing as as hype in those days no. you didn't have a big build up in the media 
And in but, Britain, we didn't even have any radio stations. But the song does speak for itself. I mean, it is a masterpiece. It really is. Yeah. Even for the yeah, the, the unbaptized. The when, when people heard something, just a snatch of it maybe on a radio or on a jukebox somewhere, yeah. and they just had to have it themselves. In fact, I was, you know, I wasn't around then. I was, I was just being born. But it amazes me that uh, the how things worked back then with singles and the fact that it wasn't on the UK album. Um, yeah, it just blows my mind for someone who thinks of music more in a LP fashion or album oriented um, that it would be released just as a single. Um, yeah, well, yeah, as you say, well, just as a single, but also not put it on your first album either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Well, the US album did not have it on, did it? Why is we that? We didn't put it on there, because we said, well, everybody's already bought this, why well, don't want to make them pay for it again. Okay, good point. Whereas, like, yeah. other bands did that, you know? Uh, well, it was... These were early days, actually, and it was actually a crossover point. And until about that point, except for somebody like the Beatles, yes, obviously they'd had Revolver and that, and they were, you know, they they were making albums. Yes. And you would make sure you got the latest Beatles album. Right. But um, not many other people were doing that. It was still very serious, singles-oriented. And it was only when we'd made that and it came out that we said, well, look, we've got all these other songs we we want to record as well. You know, so we had to go in and and and, and do all them and, and, and then have a first album, which we didn't have ready probably till July or August at least. Right. You know? And do you was, get... It was just a, a pleasant surprise when we first went to America, which was in October 1967, that um, people actually knew Salad Days and Repent mm. World Purchase and... And that's what they like. There was no emphasis on the white shade of pearl whatsoever. I could, I, de I could definitely see that. Um, because I think, I mean, does it uh, annoy you somewhat that people bring up that song thinking that, especially the unbaptized, thinking, you know, they a way to describe Procol Harum, they think of that song first. Um, well, the alternative to that might be that they didn't think at all. <laughs> If you're going to be burdened with something, if I could use the word burden, yeah. then uh, it's much better to be burdened with the fact that everybody in the world seems to know you, even if it's only for one song, but everybody in the world knows you. Yes. Well, I'll put it this way. I, I um, Growing up, my brother-in-law turned me on to that song, and I loved it and played it, and, but it wasn't until I heard a second song, which ironically was a B-side called Long Gone Geek, that yeah. I, I said, wow. You know, I was surprised. I thought Procol Harum was more of a Baroque band. And this is one, this song, and I'm glad you chose it. You did choose it for the uh, the box set. Is yeah. what a great, loud and proud rock and roll song it is. Um, oh, it's pretty wild, yeah. That I always yeah. found it fascinating was just the B-side. Well, I think it was the B-side of a salty dog as well. Yes, Oh, as a single. Yes, it which, was. Which was, uh, I mean, if you bought White Shade of Power and then you ended up, and if you bought maybe Shine On Brightly 
album and then you bought the Salty Dog single and you turn it over, well, that would have been quite a surprise. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's a double double punch right there. Um, now, you were talking about the live shows on the box set and there's one that was previously unreleased and that's in the Winter Gardens in, in 76. How did you come across that? Was that a previously unreleased was it in the vaults of a record company or uh, was... no, I think I've I've always had it at home you did wow yeah. because sometimes the bands always... would record off the soundboard is that and 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 keep the the material to review no no I think it was it was done I'm not quite sure who or who or who or why it was done mm. um but it was done, no, not off the soundboard. It was done, you know, to a multi-track, I think. Ah. As far as I know. And and you and you you had it. Did you forget about it, or did it just sort of? Uh, you said it was time to release it now. Um. Well, when they were assembling this, I'm not sure what the label's called. Is it called Cherry Red or yes. Esoteric? One of the uh, two. It's esoteric, but. Esoteric. Okay. Yeah. Then um, they said that they wanted to do this box set, which would be deluxe and special and, and wonderful. And so I, you know, what have you got at home? Sort of thing they asked me. So I looked through <laughs> and I found, I found whatever I had. Which is pretty good. Whatever, whatever, whatever they wanted to use or, you yeah. know, it had to be mixed, not mixed down, but it had to be mastered or brought from the, the probably quarter-inch tapes I had, huh. you know, which have sat there for 30 years. Right. Well, if you said 1976, then that's 40 years, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That have sat there for 40 years, and you never quite know if they're going to all be stuck together or something. Exactly. They, they have uh, ways so of... Best to let the, let the experts treat them carefully and, and see if they're still working <laughs> I was just gonna say that yeah they the technology is there nowadays um, I also yeah. like the the DVD footage of um, all that TV footage top of the pops etc that's not easy to gather as well um, well that's that they have to you know people it's always more difficult because somebody else owns that you know um, usually somebody you know like the BBC or yeah, or some some company in Germany would have done it, and you've always got to negotiate with them. We don't do that. The you must. Esoteric would do that. You must get a kick though watching that stuff uh, now. Well, uh, people say to me that there's there's one from Germany. I think yes, <clears throat> where we're kind of warming up, but I haven't seen it yet. You do. You actually going back to Long Gone Geek. You actually do that. At, I think it's the Beat Club. Um, the, oh. There's a no. Somebody said we were playing Dear Prudence or something. Well, <laughs> we're obviously just doing a sound check, if you like, for the <laughs> studio. Uh, but I haven't seen that. And, um, people said, "Why do you do? Why do you do Dear Prudence?" Well, probably we just did not want to wear ourselves out, and we didn't want to play what we were going to play in in half an hour's time. Yeah, because we wanted to keep it nice and fresh. So we'd play whatever came into mind, and if it was dear prudence, so be it. And speaking about the visual of watching that footage, it must have been great going through all the photographs and memorabilia uh, for the booklet. 
Yeah, I mean, posters are not an easy thing to uh, to store or anything, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, you can keep half a dozen, but when you've got 80 or 100, right. they take up a lot of room. Um, you've always got this roll of 12 posters, so you've got to unroll them all, and they've got a mind of their own posters. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. They like to stay rolled up. Yes. Uh, you try to look at them flat and see who they all, um, who was on the bill or something, or what what were the posters for? It's quite it's quite difficult. But so I, I looked through them all, and I, anything that was the slightest bit interesting, I gave it to Esoteric, and and, uh, and they made whatever choices they made. Now, are you um, besides collecting a lot of Procol Harum stuff over the years? Are you a collector as well of? Vinyl and memorabilia? Anything and everything. Really? Yeah. So are you a record collector? I've probably got got a collection of most things. Are you a vinyl record collector as well? Um, I've I've got a a big vinyl collection, Mm. and it probably stretches from about 1966 to about 1972. Mm. And, um... That's not when CDs came along, but it's when I didn't have time to to catalogue records anymore. Right. Although I still got a few more in the seventies, perhaps. Are you surprised? That's the way. That's the way people pass things on to you as well. You know, they say, "Hey, this is my latest album. Listen to it." There you go. Um, what was your name, Joe? Joe? Who? <laughs> Joe Walsh. Okay, Joe. What was the band called? Um, the James Gang. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, but you know, when I came to, I, I moved recently after 43 years, and I thought I'd throw away, I'd sort out this vinyl. Oh. Because, you know, I ended up with 10 boxes, huge, heavy boxes, and I had to put them back in the cupboard again. Yes. Uh, and I thought, well, this is the time to clear them out. And I don't know how many, there's probably 300 albums or more. And I thought, well, I'll have a good clear out here. I found 10 that I didn't want. <laughs> uh, two of those were Jane Fonda Keep Fit <laughs> records. I don't know how I got them. <laughs> Someone snuck them in there. Um, are you surprised about the resurgence of vinyl as a format? Um, I am, in, yeah, in, in many ways. Although, I mean, if I ask youngsters what they like about it, they... They seem to like the noise when they put the needle on. I think it's the, <laughs> I think it's the, the tangible too. They're, they grew up in a digital society, you know. They're kind yeah, of... I mean, the thing is, it's very. You could pick up an album. Yes. I mean, you didn't just buy the music when you bought an album. You bought the artwork on the front. Yes. And some of the ones I couldn't throw away were remarkable artwork, you know. It's just like, you know, something like the Rolling Stones one. It's got a real zip on the front. Exactly. Well, let's put it this way. I'm, say I'm 16, I go on iTunes and I buy a Procol Harum uh, music, a song. I can load that, you know, yeah. I download that. I don't even know that Gary Brooker's on <laughs> in the band because it's, yeah. you know what I'm saying? When you buy an album, you know all oh, the you, members. You know, you know who played on it? You know who produced it? Yes. Yeah. There's, there's a story you, behind you it. Sometimes get the lyrics, of course. Yep. Um, no, you get a lot. And if there's a booklet inside the old vinyl, 
then uh, what well, that wasn't very often but no it's, it's it was a piece that you know artists made their living from albums yeah in those days now it's the um, the other way around you make well, it from touring to, easy to read at least <laughs> yes exactly but now I mean, you make it reproduce from... if they reproduce a vinyl onto cd yeah going back into the more modern days all they did was like scan the artwork and reduce it down to something an eighth of the size. I know. And that means you've got to read something that's the eighth of the size. And it wasn't meant to be, it was meant to be read on a 12-inch vinyl, not on a back of a four-inch CD. And not only that, a lot of times they didn't include the uh, liner notes or the uh, center, if there was um, a gatefold or, uh, yeah. you know, something inside the yeah, album, which yeah. there often was. Gatefold, yeah. 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 But let's go back uh, 50 years since you were talking about this memorabilia. Um, the scene in London, yeah, I like how you just said, hi, my name is Joe, here's my album. Um, you were, you've met, you met a lot of people. You were involved in that scene, and 50 years ago, you, bam, you were right there in the middle of it all. Well, also, in London, yeah. yeah. It, was, uh, it was, as I said, happening. Yes. It was happening. Uh, and it was happening. There was a big breakout of of creative forces that went right the way from fashion through art, film, music. And there was sort of a great freedom about and a, you know, very happy atmosphere. I wouldn't call it the summer of love at all. It was just it was um it was just that people that are growing up with all these influences were now eighteen twenty. Yes. And were able to call the shots a bit more or, or do what they wanted to do. And um, it was it was a great place to be. And, of course, yes, knew everybody anyway. Um, and and met, met lots of new people. I mean, we were... I was always friends with the small faces mm. uh, before Procol Harum. Used to see a lot of them because uh, they were around. And they were a great bunch of guys and a... a in retrospect, a great a great band, of course. I guess what I'm asking, you heard of them? <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess what I'm asking is that it it probably in rock and roll history it was probably the best scene um, as far as like you were just describing fashion, music, out of all of all the scenes, whether it be New York, Los Angeles. It um, you brought up the <laughs> summer of love. I mean, I think that. It, it was such a unique scene that um, a lot of people probably don't realize that that will never happen again, possibly. It's one of those unique no, I things. Don't think it, I think it was unique. Um, it was unique. Having been there, I, I firmly now believe that. I don't think there were certain factors going on. As you say, I don't think it can be repeated. No. But then you can't you can't imagine what it was like to hear to buy a record and go home and put it on a record player or to hear it on a jukebox for the first time. Um, and that's the way I heard a lot of Chuck Berry records. Was by My friend was a fan of Chuck Berry's and he would buy his latest thing, which seemed to come out once every month. And you'd put it on with great anticipation and it would blast out of the record player 
and then you turn it over. You know, on one side you had Johnny B. Good, and you turned it over, and you got Memphis, Tennessee, or something. Mm. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, I just, that was earlier, of course. I, I find but, it fascinating you know, that someone like Jimi Hendrix had to go to that scene to get popular, where he was literally yeah. unknown in, in America, but well, was still well, playing in people. Well, we, we, around that time, you know, early 1967, we'd heard about this, this bloke, this guy, that had come from America, because actually, he seemed to have been brought over at the time by Chaz Chandler. Yes. Who was the bass player with the animals. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know, there's probably all been recorded how, how Chaz Chandler found Jimi Hendrix, but, so Jimi Hendrix, came to London and you heard about him. I don't know how or why, but one did. And I was walking up the road near where they sell all the guitars in London, on Charing Cross Road. And the other side of the street, I saw this vision with this huge mop of curly hair and a, a bright green cape <laughs> and some military waistcoat under it, stomping along. And I thought, that must be this Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> nobody else, nobody else could look. I've never, never seen anything. It was like he was from another planet. Yes. And he's just walking down a London street. Uh, I thought that must be him, and of course it was. Uh, and in fact, a couple of weeks later, we actually program our record just came out, and we played on a bill with 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 Jimmy. Yeah. Um, he'd, he'd only had Hey Joe out. And, of course, there he was in the flesh and doing all these remarkable things. And that, like playing the guitar behind his head or playing it with his teeth. Yeah. yeah. You know, throwing it around, swinging it, playing it upside down anyway, and then setting fire to it. Yeah. Well, you just answered the, basically the why I asked that question, what it was like. To, <laughs> that kind of thing was uh, just... Every day back then. Um, yes, yes. In London. And as yeah. far as Procol Harum, I, I think more than any other member, you have really kept this brand strong and promoted it. And you should be definitely credited with that. Um, well, I'm the last man standing, really. Yeah, but um, there are others. You know, for instance... Um, you know, I was going to ask if you still do you still collaborate with Keith at all? Um, uh, well, I haven't done for some time. He kind of, uh, well, what I'd say these days, I'd say he came to some crossroads. Yeah. And then but, you uh, know, I'm not talking about yesterday or, or last week. I'm talking right. about a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, we we made an album in 2003, which Keith wrote the words for. Right. And then we've made this one now, which is 14 years later, and I can't believe it's taken so long. But somewhere in there, at the crossroads, he, he turned left. Yeah. And, you know, he, uh, speaking about 2003, I think it was, uh, you wrote this great song with him, I, I think you both collaborate on, about the New York Fire Department, correct? Um, uh, about 9-11. Uh it was all over in the blink of an eye. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And but it was about what the fire department and the uh, first responders um 
went through. And that, that was quite, as someone from the New York area, I just thought that was a, a moving tribute. Um, and I was wondering... Well, it was. It was certainly... Well, we've always known New York well. Yeah. In fact, Keith Reed also has a place there. You know, he lives down Tribeca there. Right. So, um... Oh, I didn't know that. So okay. He, he, was, he was close to home. It was close to home. Very close. Uh, oh, I don't think he was there at the time, but uh, I know that his apartment there smelt of burnt concrete for, for years. Yes. That's uh, very close to the site. Very, very strange smell in the air. But, now, you know, um, also in the old days, we used to walk down Midtown, hanging around down 8th Avenue, and we always used to walk past the fire station there. It's about 45th Street or somewhere on 8th Avenue. And they were always used to have a chat with them in there. Hmm. Hey, how are you doing, guys? Hey, Brooke, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, they got... <laughs> And um, and I I could I could feel for them when they, you know, well, of course they responded, and that's such a, a, a tragic day for them all. Yeah. Well, for everybody, but the fire department, of course, you know, foremost. But um, no, I mean, there's a very uh, there's a YouTube um, thing. If you put "Blink of an Eye" by Procol Harum, then you get this. Um, somebody made a video to go with that song, hmm. the, blink of, the Blink of an Eye, which I always don't find quite moving. I'll have to check that out. But yeah, you, do, you, know, you know what YouTube is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> now you, uh, you, yeah, Blink of an Eye, Procol Harm, and, yeah, and, and it will come on. Yeah, I was, I was there that day. And, you know, I was more uptown. Yeah. Um, but I, I appreciated the... Um, the tribute to the the firefighters because they got they really got a bad break they still you know they suffered a lot of illness from that and um they still weren't given you know taken care of really you know they should have been uh taken care of more as far as financially and and medical whatever i don't know the ins and outs of yeah it. yeah I, I i one of them gave me a badge uh, you did, really? A few months later, a few months later, I was over there. I went into a bar, and and there was a fire, de New York Fire Department collection box there. So I stuck some money in it. And then the guy at the bar said, "Thanks very much for that, buddy." I said, "Oh, right, I got to talking to him, and he he was a he was on he was in the fire department, in New York, and he you know he he worked that day, lost yeah. friends and that, and then he gave me a a, a nice badge." Wow. You know, it's got sort of a flag on it, and it says 9-11, New York Fire Department. I always wear treasure that. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I was going to ask about your, um, now that you've done Novum, how about a, going back to a solo record? Um, you've collaborated, speaking of collaboration, you've collaborated with a lot of uh, well-known musicians, whether it be Eric Clapton or... Um, You've performed with Paul McCartney. Uh, from yeah. a, I think it was the concert for Campuchia, right? The Rockestra? Yeah, well, I was, I was on the Back to the Egg and then did play on the on that, that show as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's next for you as far as, you know, creatively? Um, I know you just released this box set and, and it's going to be 
fantastic for the fans, but the fans are going to want to see you again, even though you just put out <laughs> a Brokel Harem album not too long ago. But the um... yeah, no, I mean the, the the new album has given us a boost, and of course this the fiftieth year, if you like, yes, was a big boost to it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, but, there's. Um, there's a lot I mean, of people excited. There are a lot of people excited. The fans are, and you know, there's chatter. You know, would uh, would you ever play again with Robin, Robin Trower? Would there be a reunion? Um, he's very active, as you know. Would there be a new tour? Would there be another album? Um, I think it's quite nice oh, how I there's. Know, I've, 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 what, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah. Hey. No, I'll take the last one first. Will there be another album? We were very inspired and very happy with making this new one after a long break from the studio, although we've been playing live all the time. And we really think we should just get on and do another one. So we we have to act upon that, yes. which we will. Good. You know, rather than just sit around and suddenly it's five years and then suddenly it's ten years. You know... You have to like with you have to start thinking about it now, about doing a new one. Right. We just need to get the time where we can sit down and work some material out, and um, you know it will be quick to make it because they're, they're a great bunch of musicians, um, and it will be sparkling. Yeah, you but want to strike now. We will do it. Right. As far as going to America, we're always open to offers. Um, at the moment, we're trying to uh, we're trying to sort it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, the, the agent has to be right on the ball. You know, just things have to be properly organised. I understand. The thing about well, we play all over the world. We've just played in practically every country in Europe. I know. Um, but the thing is, there that that the, the deal you get with the European promoters is they offer you a fee, which is good. And then they they try pay for your travel over there and your accommodation, and they pay the crew, cruise fares, and, you know, and that's the deal. Mm. When you come to America, you have to you have to pay all of that yourself. Yeah. yeah. There's nobody saying, "Oh, well, here's here's the plane tickets, boys. We booked the hotels, and here's your fee." It doesn't happen like that. So it's a very it's a big logistical thing to work out and the distances are huge of course which makes the american fans even more um filled with anticipation <laughs> <laughs> well i can assure you that well i mean there's nothing we'd like better than to be over there in the, the near very near future and uh well we always play whatever people want but it's we're we're really enjoying playing this new set of songs, you know, we, we make selections from that, and they're, and they're really going down very, very well. Yeah, the, out, the last album was very critically acclaimed, and, and you know, like I say, you should strike when the iron's hot, and um, it would be, that I think it would go over very well in America. Um, you know, it's all, we'll see, I can, uh, I, I hope it does. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, we're all open for it. Um, as far as Robin Trower now, do you, do you still keep in touch with him, or do you? Well, I speak to him now and again. I I phoned him. Uh, I phoned him because I 
uh, a month ago or something, or it might have been two months, that he had some a tour and um, he cancelled it for ill health. Mm. Um, so I just checked on up on him then to make sure he was all right. Yeah. And it wasn't, um, there's nothing life-threatening, but it was something which made it so that he couldn't really go on tour. Right. So he had, but I think I now hear that he is back. He's back, back playing, so. Oh yeah, he's released so about, that's good. I think about four albums consecutively for the last, uh, four years, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. Very active and, Fans would love to see him, even if he jumped on stage in London or New York with you guys. That would be fantastic. I know it's been well, since '91, right? Robin would always be, would be welcome. He, he doesn't, you know. I mean, broke harm to Robin. I think. I, I don't know if he's got a great love for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been playing with Robin since we were about fourteen. Right. Yeah, that's, we started together when we were at school. Um. But he, I think he found his way forward when he left Procol Harum. He was able to develop his style more. He, uh, I think he possibly was a bit inhibited within Procol Harum. He was able to let loose. Um, he was able to let loose in, in, and, and, and do what he, if you like, really wanted to do. Right. Um, and uh, I actually think that Robin found a lot of himself in Procol Harum because he had to invent a lot of ways of playing yeah. which had not at that point been done before on the guitar now lastly I want to ask you about the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame any thoughts about that I know the Moody Blues who you've uh, obviously know have just finally mm -hmm. got inducted um, shouldn't Procol Harum be in there as well I think so well, how do you do that then? You were with, you got to write to them then, have you? Right. There has to be some sort of fan. Well, not even really. I think it just comes to the fact that you deserve it. <laughs> oh yeah, but somebody's got to suggest it, haven't they? Yes. Then somebody might have to second it. Just putting you in alone, people, they should. Um, if yeah. there's enough people saying we think Broken Harm should be in there, right? Then. Perhaps they'll they'll listen. I mean, it will give us something. We can always say no thanks. We don't want to be in it. Right. When we when we get nominated or whatever it is. Right. That's easy to say, but, but no, you should write to them, or Goldmine should write to them. Right. Well, we have we have uh, like we did with Moody Blues. We have brought up the fact that it, um, when bands are overlooked. In fact, we have a a blog called we call it our own Hall of Fame, and we talk about all the bands and artists that uh, we've been doing it for probably about five, six years now. Goldmine seems to have been going forever. 1974. How? Oh, it's not forever then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. 45 years. Yeah, yeah, it's no, quite... Yeah. More, yeah. Well, no, I'll give you nearly 45 years. And a ton of editors. It's, it's uh, yeah. like any band lineup, you know. People come and go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Gary, it was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, my. Yeah, okay. And well, uh, you put us, up, put us up for that. Well, we do, and, and I think they, in their own way they listen, but uh, it's political, too. You know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get some bands like, not to say he isn't worthy, but uh, Bon Jovi 
where I think there are plenty of bands like uh, Procol Harum and Jethro Tull and others that deserve to be in before Bon Jovi. So, <laughs> but it's very political. Um, that's, that's not happening, but it should. Yes, you're right. Yeah, no, I think. Uh, but I think you will get your credit, uh, whether it be next year or the year after, who knows. I mean, Moody Blues yeah. kind of gave up, right? And then all of a sudden, right out of the... Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, there they were. They're they're inducted, right? So, um, I, I think it will happen. I hope it happens yeah. soon. Because no, you, you you deserve the credit. All right, thank you. Well, thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Gary. I'll talk to you soon. All the best. Bye, Bye now. Bye. Thank you, Gary Brooker. That was Gary Brooker of Procol Harum, the legendary Procol Harum, and you can. Uh, if you want to pick up the box set, still there'll be more. It's titled. It's an eight-disc limited edition. And like I said, super deluxe because there's a lot in it. Five CDs, three DVDs, and of course it celebrates the 50 years of Procol Harum. Go to your local record store and you can claim it there. You can also go to ccmusic.com, Collector's Choice Music. They have just about everything there that your heart desires. Um, They're a great site. Um, My preference to getting stuff online. Okay, that wraps up our podcast, the third podcast of March. Uh, Don't forget to search for Goldmine at your select record stores. And also go to Barnes & Noble or Books A Million to seek it out for the latest issue. The latest issue right now is the class of 2018, and that's the April 2018 issue. And that that is quite an issue you want to see. I know a lot of our readers love talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we go over the new inductees and why they do belong. Okay, and also go to goldminemag.com, check out of exclusive content you could sign up for our weekly newsletters you could try to enter to win to win a gold mine giveaway you could also find out how to go to our radio show the gold mine radio hour on cygnusradio.com and most importantly please subscribe if you haven't checked out the magazine on a monthly basis delivered right to your home that's goldminemag.com thank you for listening Bye now. And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. Marcus, what happened? I was changing my oil and I spilled some on the floor. Oh, we use these $50 bills to wipe it up. Perfect. Got any more? Yeah, yeah, take a couple hundred. Stop. Instead of using money, use an old rag. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary.